Hello, and welcome to Speaking of Psychology, a podcast produced by the American Psychological Association. I'm your host, Kim Mills, and I'm speaking to you from APA's Technology, Mind, and Society Conference in Washington. This is an interdisciplinary meeting aimed at assessing current efforts to understand and shape the interactions of human beings and technology, for identifying priorities for future work, and for promoting the exchange of ideas and collaboration among participants. Dr. Christopher Ferguson is a professor of psychology at Stetson University in DeLand, Florida. He has clinical experience in working with offender and juvenile justice populations, as well as in conducting evaluations for child protective services. His research focuses on media violence and video games in particular, and he recently served as guest editor of a special issue of the APA journal Review of General Psychology on that topic. But he's here today to talk about suicide contagion, which fits in with his interest in how political pressure, social panics, and the so-called culture wars can distort media research. Welcome, Dr. Ferguson. Thanks for having me here today. So the first question that comes to my mind is whether your research has shown that there is such a thing as suicide contagion. Yeah, that's a great question. So I mean, it really matters uh, contagion by who or what is, is, is really sort of an essential issue. So uh, there really are sort of three pools of research on suicide contagion. One is by peers. So if one of your friends or someone in your social um, uh, social environment commits suicide, does that make you more likely to commit suicide? if you're kind of on that edge of, of considering it. Um, the second is by news media, uh, so coverage of actual suicides in news media. And the third is with fictional television shows like 13 Reasons Why, or even heavy metal music like Ozzy Osbourne and things like that. Um, and the research probably is pretty solid in terms of there being some sort of peer contagion type of effect, uh, that for individuals who are at risk for suicide, having a close associate commit suicide may elevate their risk somewhat. Uh, the news is a little bit, uh, or news media effects are a little bit dodgier, but there seems to be some research there suggesting there may or may not be some effects with news media contagion. But I was really con concerned with fictional media, sort of looking at uh, shows like 13 Reasons Why and these kind of like fictional media portrayals of a suicide and whether that would increase uh, the likelihood of viewers committing suicide or thinking about suicide themselves. And um, the literature has been going on for several decades, so I was kind of curious of summarizing that with a, with a meta-analytic procedure, kind of looking at what are the overall trends in the, in the research to date. And uh, although there's certainly some heterogeneity, there's, there's some differences between studies in terms of whether effects seem to exist or not. Uh, overall, my analysis suggested that um, the data we have currently is probably not sufficient to support these kind of concerns that we're having about shows like 13 Reasons Why. There does not seem to be a conclusive body of evidence to suggest that suicide contagion happens through fictional media, at very least. So there was a lot of publicity last year around the um, article that was published by, I think it was the Journal of the Amer American Medical Association, mm -hmm. we got that mm -hmm. right, that saw a big spike around the time. Uh, of the broadcast and what they found was a, a lot of people doing internet searches for suicide. S was that not um, a, a good piece of research? It's not so much that it wasn't a good piece of research. It's, it's, it's more that um, it wasn't clear from those searches whether uh, those individuals who were doing those searches were intending to commit suicide necessarily or if they just were curious uh, about the topic. Uh, or even may have been seeking help because they had been thinking about suicide previously. So it wasn't really sure that those searches translated into real behavior. Uh, and the example might be is that, you know, in all likelihood after, of course, we've had a lot of news recently about, you know, 
gun violence and tragic shootings that it's very likely that after a tragic shooting occurs, you see a lot more searches about gun violence, mass shootings, so on and so forth. But that doesn't mean that the majority of those individuals are you know, likely to go out and commit those shootings as well. So it seems to be the same sort of an issue. People were doing a lot more searches about suicide and suicide-related issues. But it doesn't seem to be that that was an indication that those individuals were inclined to actually engage in suicide. Um, or that that translated into an increased risk of suicide uh, behaviors among viewers. Did you look at all um, into the kinds of messages that the producers are putting on the program now to kind of warn people? I mean, you know, there's some concern mm -hmm. about triggering. Does, does it help if there's some message at the beginning of the program or at the end of the program for resources? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, they can be helpful for people who are maybe offended by content, you know, so to sort of warn people of what's coming um, so that they're not surprised by it. Um, I, I think at this point, it pro there are probably relatively few people to learn who would learn that 13 Reasons Why is about suicide. So it's probably not, you know, in, in, in that sense, it's probably not a, a, a huge deal. It's, I mean, it's, it's always good to have people be informed in terms of whether they want to decide if they want to be exposed to a particular content issue um, or, or not. But in terms of, you know, sort of trigger warnings, as you mentioned, being sort of a fix for possible effects, um, there actually was some research that I had come across at a conference a year or two ago that actually suggested that oftentimes trigger warnings can actually increase people's anxiety about uh, content, so have kind of a paradoxical uh, effect. And they weren't looking at suicide themed media, they were looking more like even like things, Shakespeare novels and you know, sexual content and violent content. Um, but that oftentimes if, um, you know, if you just sort of expose people to something, they don't think it's necessarily a huge deal, but if you warn them about it in advance, then they actually are sort of primed to worry about it and they actually have a bit more of a written emotional reaction to it than if you had just uh, just left it alone yeah, <laughs> to yeah. some extent. It kind of depends on what the content is probably. If it's super shocking, the trigger warning might help. If it's maybe not so shocking, then it might actually be kind of uh, paradoxical in terms of its effect. Did you look at contagion in, in other realms? I mean, there's a lot of uh, writing research around, uh, oh, I don't know, I mean, school shootings, for example, mm -hmm. and whether those happen to be contagious, or even fashion trends, or you know, things yeah. that people do uh, with the stock market, for example. Right, yeah. Well, we did, we, we, this study was limited just to the fictional media uh, suicide contagion issues. Of course, there is a lot of discussion you know, with these tragic shootings about the issue of gun violence and the possibility that uh, news media coverage of school shootings or mass shootings may actually serve as a motivating factor uh, for uh, some of these uh, shooters. There actually is not a lot of really good data on that, so there have not been a lot of studies looking at whether the um, frequency of gun violence increases or decreases after news coverage. Uh, so a lot of that still is very uh, speculative. Um, so, some of that is perhaps based on a misimpression that the majority of mass shooters are out for attention. Some appear to be. Uh, so there have certainly been examples of um, like the Sandy Hook shooter or the Virginia Tech shooter who referred back to Columbine, for instance. So there seems to be sometime at least some identification effect between some shooters. Uh, but you don't necessarily see that with all of them or even necessarily the majority. So I'm not, I'm not sure that, um, for instance, taking steps like not using shooters' names uh, is necessarily going to have a big effect on gun violence or, or mass shootings. But um, on the other hand, there isn't really any harm either in avoiding using shooters' names. Uh, so uh, if there's no harm, might as well do it, I suppose. Mm -hmm. you know, on, on the off chance, maybe there's some small effect. Uh, there, but it's probably not going to be the, the main thing that solves issues like gun violence or mass shootings. 
So what are the next steps in terms of research for the social contagion? Yeah, yeah. Well, we need a, you know, a lot better, um, more transparent and open science research. So this has been kind of a common theme in uh, media research in general, including violent video game research and body image research and other fields that um, a lot of the research that's been done in the past um, was not very transparent. Um, some of it isn't replicating very well when people are coming and trying to replicate some of those studies. Um, so a lot of things that we thought were sort of absolutely true maybe 15 years ago or 20 years ago are now proving very difficult uh, to replicate. So we're really in need uh, in this field and in other media-related fields for a lot of really solid, well-designed, pre-registered, transparent, open science um, research. And uh, that was one of the interesting things um, with this um, meta-analysis I conducted with this field is that you know, a, a lot of the studies were okay, um, but there were a lot of common issues. Like with a lot of the survey designs, they would ask about TV shows kids had watched and then ask them how they felt about suicide. You know, are you thinking about suicide? And it's not that hard to guess the hypothesis of that study. And sometimes that can change people's behavior uh, one way or another. So it would be really good to see a lot more studies that are trying to get away from that, masking the hypothesis better, following people over longer periods of time to see what the long-term effects are. Um, and I think that would help elucidate whether these types of effects do or do not exist uh, in this field. So we're actually trying to do a little bit of that at, at Stetson University and, and we're just now starting a longitudinal study of, of youth and their viewing habits and, and, and mood related issues including suicide. Great. I look forward to seeing that when you get yes. it published. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Ferguson, for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Thank you for joining our podcast. Speaking of Psychology is part of the APA Podcast Network, which includes other great podcasts such as APA Journal's Dialogue about the latest and most exciting psychological research and Progress Notes, which discusses the practice of psychology. You can find all APA podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also go to our website, www.speakingofpsychology.org, to listen to more episodes and see more resources on the topics we discuss. Thanks again for joining us. I'm Kim Mills with the American Psychological Association, and this is Speaking of Psychology. Music